And we are back. Welcome back to the Depressed Cincinnati Sports Fan Podcast. I am Jesse Mapati. And in this podcast, we're going to recap the Bengals' blowout loss to Cleveland Browns. The Bearcats nearly losing to the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. UC basketball is back. And also, we're going to talk about the Reds just fucking it up when it comes to free agency. And just losing this Nick Castellanos, losing Wade Miley. It's just not a good time to be a Cincinnati Reds fan. And we're going to talk soccer. No, we're not going to talk about FC Cincinnati because they stink and their season's over. But the USA men's national soccer team is in Cincinnati for their World Cup qualifying game against Mexico this Friday at TQL Stadium. We'll talk about that as the podcast concludes. Now, the Bengals and Browns. The first meeting of the Battle of Ohio game, and it did not go well for the Bengals. The Browns destroyed the Bengals 41-16 to last Sunday at Paul Brown Stadium, and it was not a good time. The Bengals are now 5-4 and four this season, have lost two in a row since starting the season off 5-2, and two, including that Baltimore win that seemed like it was three years ago. So, not a good way to, not a good way to go into the bye for the Bengals, getting destroyed by the Browns, but this game was pretty much over when the Bengals had such a great first drive. The Bengals went 11 plays, 75 yards, took 6 minutes and 17 seconds off the clock. But on third down, Joe Burrow threw a pass. He was trying to throw a pass to Jamar Chase, and then Denzel Ward picked it off, returning for 99 yards, 7-0 Cleveland. So first drive of the game went for shit as the Browns just took that ball Ran it into the end zone for a pick six. And I'm just thinking to myself, well, this could be a long, long, long day. But the Bengals responded. After the Browns got the pick six by Denzel Ward, the Bengals went nine plays, 75 yards, took four, four minutes and 33 seconds off the clock. Joe Mixon had an 11-yard touchdown run, 7-7. So I'm thinking, okay, this could be a shootout. And the Browns came back. Nick Chubb had a touchdown run of one yard that made it 14-7. And then the, and then the Bengals punted, and then Baker Mayfield found Donovan Peoples-Jones for a 60-yard connection for a touchdown. Peoples-Jones destroyed Eli Apple on that play. 21-7 Browns, and then the Bengals' next offensive possession in the second quarter. Jamar Chase fumbled, and then it led to Browns' field goal, 24-7 Cleveland. And then Joe Burrow threw a pick on the next Bengals offensive possession, but got called back for a pass interference on the Browns. Then T. Higgins dropped a touchdown pass as seconds remaining in the second quarter that could have made it 24-17 Browns at halftime. I understand when Higgins dropped the ball, he was, contest- he was contested by the play by Denzel Ward. Still, you got to catch that. You got to catch that, T. And the Bengals had a lot of drops in this game between Higgins and Chase. Not a good day for the, the two young stars for the Bengals. And the Bengals kicked the field goal that made it 24-10 Browns at halftime. And then both teams exchanged punts to begin the second half. And then the Browns got the ball. Nick Chubb, 70-yard touchdown run that made it 31-10. Dagger, Browns win 41-16. So not a good day for the Bengals. Um, the Browns pretty much just took it to Cincinnati and yeah, the Bengals just, it just wasn't, I mean, if you look at the stats, 
it seems like the Bengals played well on offense, but turnovers. The Bengals lost the turnover battle to the Browns 3-0. Joe Burrow got sacked five times. Bengals allowed 153 yards of rushing. And Bengals led in first downs, time possession, total plays. The Bengals had 20 offensive plays in the first quarter. So you thought that this game was a shootout, but as you look at the score, you see 41-16 Cleveland. So not good. Joe Burrow was 28 for 40 for 282 yards. He had no touchdowns and two interceptions. Joe Burrow now leads the NFL in 11 interceptions. Lately, he's been throwing the, the pick ball and... He needs to get that situated. He has 20 touchdown passes, which is good, but 11 picks is just... We didn't, we didn't, we didn't expect that. I expected Joe Burrow to at least have like 10 picks the whole season. We're nine games into the season. He already has 11. So I think JB will hopefully get that situated as the Bengals come off the bye and pretty much their second half run and push, hopefully, to a playoff spot. Joe Mixon had 13 carries for 64 yards and two touchdowns. T. Higgins, six receptions, 78 yards, but he had two drops. Jamar Chase had his worst game as a rookie. He had six receptions, 49 yards, but he had two drops in that fumble. I mean, Chase has been great for us all season, but this is obviously his worst game as a rookie, so he'll be better. I have no problems with Jamar Chase. I mean, he's allowed to have a bad game. He's having such a great, great rookie campaign. So he's allowed to have a bad game. And unfortunately, Brandon Wilson, the Bengals punt and kick returner, well, mainly kick returner, the Bengals' best kick returner, um, he tore his ACL and he's out for the season. So that's not good. So hopefully the Bengals can fill that position of need, definitely. So... Two straight losses after the Baltimore win that seemed like, it, like I said, was three. Feel, it feels like it was three years ago, but it was three weeks ago. So the Bengals have a bye week. It's coming at a right time. I believe this team needs to do some soul searching when it comes to <clears throat> the defensive problems, which now is becoming an issue. And then the offense, when it comes to lack of execution, Joe Burrow not getting protected. So I think on both fronts, we're going to see if they can get some soul searching indeed. I've been saying this for the longest time. And even when the Bengals beat the Ravens to move to five and two, and they were at one point the number one seed in AFC, I did say that Zach Taylor is not the guy for this team, period. I gave him credit for them starting five and two. But since then, they lost to the lowly Jets and they got their asses destroyed by the Browns at home. I just don't think Zach Taylor is the right guy for to coach this team. I think the reason why the Bengals are right are where they are is because of the talent they have. <clears throat> and just not really a big Zach Taylor fan. I just don't think he's an NFL head coach. I believe he's a coordinator. I believe this team likes Zach Taylor and they're playing for him. But as a fan, as I look at it, I just don't think he's the head coach. He should not be the head coach for the Cincinnati Bengals, period. So, and then... Remember the podcast I made after the they beat the Ravens and I praised Bengals defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo? <clears throat> well, the Bengals defense has been utter shit 
since the Ravens game, allowing 34 points and then 41 to the Browns on Sunday. They allowed 34 points to the Jets as well. So I don't know where there's no adjustments made by Lou, and that's all on him. So I really want to not take back all the praise I gave Lou. But he deserved the praise he did when when the Bengals beat the Ravens. But since then, it's just you would think that after the Jets lost that there will there'll be adjustments made to the defense. Uh, no, the Bengals linebackers aren't really that good lately. They can't get to the quarterback. It's just where's the adjustments? So you just hope that this bye week will serve as a blessing for the Bengals and their coaches. And they can do some reevaluating adjustments. And then we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how they come out of it when they play the Las Vegas Raiders next Sunday. The O-line needs to be better. And overall, the Bengals supporting system has to be better. Especially when the Bengals were struggling to find some rhythm against the Browns last Sunday. I, I was hoping that, you know, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase will make those big plays. That's the reason why the Bengals drafted those players. But, you know, they didn't have good days when it comes to catching the football or securing the football. So we need the supporting cast. We need the the stars and the playmakers on this team to really be better when it comes to, like, to finding that energy, to finding that momentum. And I didn't really see that in the Browns game last Sunday. So <clears throat> as the AFC North standings looks like right now, so the Ravens are in first. They're six and two. The Steelers are in second. They're five and three. The Browns are in third. They're five and four. And the Bengals are last at five and four as well. Three weeks ago, the Bengals were number one seed in the AFC. Everyone was thinking the Bengals are going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. I wasn't those people. The media will always jinx the hotter team. And then when the hotter team go into a cold spell, the media will be like, well, see, I told you so. The same old Bengals. Blah, 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 blah. Right now, the Bengals' seed positioning right now in the AFC is that they're number 10. Overall, the NFL this year, there's there really isn't like a dominant team. Week 10 was drunk in the NFL. The Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Buffalo Bills 9-6. to Everyone has the Bills representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. And the Jags beat them 9-6. to Tennessee Titans blew out the Rams in L.A. Tennessee right now, I believe, is the best team in the AFC. They're 7-2 and two right now. And then Devin Broncos beat the Cowboys on the road. And the Cowboys are, I think right now in the NFC, it's, it's Tampa Bay and Dallas. They beat the Cowboys pretty handily. At one point, that game was 27-0 Denver. So, any given, any given Sunday... Any given, any given Sunday, anybody can win in the NFL. So, Bengals fans, I don't think we should be panicking. I think that the Ravens game, we got a little bit too excited. I know for myself, I was keeping it realistic that it's going to be just one game at a time. And I did say that the Bengals have arrived a little bit too early. I don't think the Bengals are there yet. You got to give this team at least... This season, and then we'll see how next year goes. I think you can judge this team by how they play next year. This season, 
it's good that they're having success. And right now, they hit a little bit of bump road, losing two in a row after that 5-2 and two start. But I don't think we should be stressing ourselves out because I believe this football club can win. I think the Bengals are due for another four to five wins. And I said before the year, the Bengals are going to win 11 games. But that's just the stupid fan in me. But this ball club can definitely win four to five more games. We got eight more games left this season. So they can. They have talent on both sides. It's just about executing, making adjustments, and just playing complimentary football, basically. So by week, coming at the right time. Bengals will play the Las Vegas Raiders. Right now, that organization is a mess with everything going on outside of football. So they play in Vegas next Sunday, November 21st at 4 or 5 p.m. on CBS. And then the Steelers will come into town November 28th at 1 p.m. on CBS. The Bengals beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh back in week three. So to end the month of November, the Bengals got two tough games, two teams that are Obviously, AFC playoff contenders, and it's, it's, it's going to be a good one. And it's going to be a test to see how this young Bengals team can grow after, you know, losing two in a row and the way the Bengals have lost two in a row. So at Vegas next Sunday and then the Steelers coming to town to end the month of November. And then, like I said, the Bengals have eight games remaining this season. Five of them are at Paul Brown Stadium. So the Bengals didn't take advantage of of um, having that home game against the Browns, obviously, on Sunday. So we'll see how this team does. We'll see how they do these next eight games. I'm very anxious and very intrigued. And I think this team, I think this team will be, will be there at the end of the season. I believe so. Now, will they win the AFC North? I don't know. I think the Ravens are... I believe the Ravens are the team to beat in the AFC North. But like I said, Week 10 in NFL last week was very drunk. So anything can happen. Anything can happen. All right, switching topics now. Cincinnati Bearcats football. Lord have mercy. So last weekend, the Bearcats had homecoming. ESPN College game day. Finally, finally came to the University of Cincinnati. It was such a historic day in campus. All, all well and gloom. And then the Bearcats took the field at 3.30 p.m. to take on the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. And the Bearcats got up 14-0 in the first quarter. I'm thinking to myself, okay, the Bearcats are going to run away with this game. They need it because the last two games, the Bearcats have struggled to put teams away. And then the offense just went into shutdown mode. And Tulsa gained some momentum at halftime for the second straight week. The Bearcats only led 14-12. to 12. But then the second half, the Bearcats' offense came out firing. Alec Pierce had a, 12, had a 12-yard touchdown reception from Desmond Ritter, 21-12 Cincinnati. And then the Bearcats made it 28-12 with Michael Young Jr. grabbing a 31-yard touchdown reception from Des. I'm thinking Bearcats up 28-12 in the third quarter. I think this is this is this is going to be finally the game. The Bearcats are going to show the quote unquote style of, style points for the playoff committee. Nope, nope. Tulsa's offensive line just out physical the Bearcats' defensive line. Tulsa ran the ball for two hundred and ninety seven yards. The Bearcats' run defense 
I believe that Navy broke the Bearcats defensive line because they cannot stop the run for shit. It's that bad right now. It really is. And Tulsa just was just the physical team out up front. So it's just the Bearcats offense couldn't get into rhythm after after going up 28-12. And then Tulsa cut the lead of 28-20 as they got a touchdown and a two-point conversion with eight minutes left of the fourth quarter. I'm thinking to myself, here we go, another bomb burner. And then with under two minutes left, all right, Tulsa was stopped short on fourth down at the four. You thinking, I'm thinking, right, game over, Bearcats survive, 9-0, here we go, right? Run the clock, and we are 9-0. Nope. I forgot, my dumbass forgot that I still live in Cincinnati, and bad things always happens to me. So Desmond Ritter fumbled on a sneak that was re- that was recovered by Tulsa, and I'm thinking, just kill me now. Just lose. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I'm like, just lose already. Just lose. And I'm thinking to myself, Tulsa gets the ball back. First thing goal from the three. I'm thinking the Bearcats defense can't stop the run. I'm thinking the Tulsa's going to score. They're going to score a touchdown, and they need a two-point conversion to tie the game at 28. I'm thinking, yep, yep, we're going to go to overtime. And this magical season, this magical day with homecoming, ESPN calls game day, it's all going to go. It's all going to come crashing down. But the Bearcats defense rose to the occasion with the goal line stand of all goal line stands. Tulsa's running back Steve Anderson, Steven Anderson, fumbled as he was reaching for the goal line on fourth and goal from the one. Jabari Taylor recovered it for a touchback. Game over. Exhale. Bearcats 9-0. 25 in a row in Nipper Stadium. I'm just like, whew. Wow. Wow. Bearcats 28. Golden Hurricanes 20. My, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. Yes. <laughs> I feel like every Bearcat game from here on out is going to be a struggle to watch. It's going to be a heart stopper. Bearcats had three turnovers. Bearcats are not doing well when it comes to the turnover battle lately. Running back Jerome Ford left the game with an ankle injury. Luke Fickle did say this past week that he isn't concerned about Ford's injury. And the Bearcats do have a road game against South Florida on Friday. So we'll see. My guess is maybe they're going to make it a game-time decision when it comes to Ford's injury. Now, the run defense, like I said, hasn't been good the last three weeks. I, I don't know where's the adjustments. I don't know what Mike Trestle's doing. I hope Fickle can talk with Trestle <clears throat> when it comes to that, but it needs to be better because teams are going to continue to run on the Bearcats and just keep the offense off the, off the field. So... You would think after the Navy game, because Navy, they just had that triple option shit. And that just confuses and messes everyone's minds basically all week. Now, Tulane gashed the Bearcats on the run. So you're thinking, okay, we allowed Tulane to gash us. Now, let's make adjustments for the Tulsa game. And there was no adjustments. And you allowed almost 300 yards of rushing. So... Bearcats have to be better when it comes to the rushing game because I feel like t- opponents are just going to run the ball until if the Bearcats need to they need to they need to get the run defense situated because the Bearcats are at their best on defense is when they're forcing teams to pass the ball because the Bearcats have two of the best cornerbacks 
in college football and Ahmad Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. You gotta dare the you gotta dare the opponent to throw the football. But they're running the ball. And the opponent's like, okay, you we're not gonna throw the we're not gonna throw because you can't stop us in the run. So they gotta stop the run. The Bearcats stop the run, then they're gonna be okay. They're gonna be okay. But right now I just this three this three game sample of the Bearcats run defense not doing well, I just don't see that happening. And I hope I'm wrong. I'm really I really hope because the Bearcats defensive line, it's a talented it's a talented front. They got good players, but it comes to coaching and I and I know this is Mike Trussell's first year as defensive coordinator, but we're nine games in and adjustments need to be made if the Bearcats want to if the Bearcats want to get to where they want to get to. So we got three weeks left of football, and the Bearcats are still 9-0, okay? Still 9-0. And uh, week two of the college football playoff rankings came out on Tuesday. And I wasn't actually upset like I was last week. Last week, I, I was obviously really amped up of the first edition of the rankings. But this week, I was okay with it. So, Georgia is obviously number one. Alabama's number two. Alabama barely beat LSU 4-4 four four coming into the game at home. Barely won that game, but whatever. Oregon's number three because Michigan State lost to Purdue. <clears throat> then Ohio State is number four. They had a struggle against Nebraska last Saturday. And then UC moved up one spot to number five. Michigan's number six. And Michigan State's number seven. Now... I have a few problems with this ranking. Number one, um, I don't understand why Alabama's two. I just don't think their resume speaks of a number two team in the nation, but it's just their name. Obviously, they're going to have opportunities to play big games because they're playing in the SEC. They got Auburn coming up real soon, and then most likely they're going to play Georgia in the SEC championship game, but... They only they they beat LSU at home twenty to fourteen, and LSU is four and five, so that that makes no sense at all. And in Ohio State, I mean, they don't have a good resume. Okay, yes, they lost to Oregon, who is now number three right now, but they struggle with Nebraska. But Jesse, UC struggled with Tulsa, Tulane, and Navy. Uh, I'm talking about Ohio State. Those are the Ohio State fans that would try to argue, argue me with me about like UC barely beating teams that are lower tier in the American Athletic Conference. I know, I know, I know. But I'm talking about Ohio State. Every time I get into get into it, Ohio State football fans is just absolutely the worst. But Michigan, Michigan State, I don't know how Michigan State is ranked lower than Michigan, but Michigan State beat Michigan two weeks ago. So basically what I got from the committee is that head-to-head means absolutely nothing. Sad. It's sad. But Gary Barter, Gary Barta, whatever, I don't like the guy, but he's a committee chairman. He said that Michigan is the most, is more of a complete team than Michigan State. And I'm thinking, well, if Michigan was the more complete team, then they should have beat Michigan State, right? They're up 30-14. to 14. I don't make up the rules. I don't, like I said, I don't know anything about college football. So. so the Bearcats' next game is against South Florida Bulls. That will be a Friday game, Friday night in Florida. 
Games at 6 p.m. on ESPN2. South Florida can run the football, so you know what's their game plan. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and control the clock. I want this to be like a game where I don't have to stress out, but it's going to be another close game. And at this point, as long as the Bearcats win, I really just don't care. Just win, just win, just win. So, switching topics now, baseball. Cincinnati Reds are a mess right now. The Cubs claim Wade Miley off waivers from the Reds. I don't know why the Reds didn't even try to attempt to trade Wade Miley, but they let him go off waivers and the Cubs claim him. Unbelievable. Wade, thank you so much for everything you did for Cincinnati, the no-hitter. I wish the Reds would have kept Wade Miley, but uh, this organization is a mess. The Reds did extend a qualifying offer to, to free agent Nick Castellanos this past week. Nick, just go get your money somewhere else because I bet the qualifying offer is shit from the Reds. So that's the baseball news. The Reds are just making me mad lately, and there is no point of me even going to a Reds game next season. And Bob Castellan and Nick Crawl have absolutely no idea what they're doing. And I've been saying this for the longest time. Just sell the team, Bob. Sell the fucking team. But they won't. Cincinnati men's basketball. Bearcats men's basketball is back on action. The Bearcats defeated Evansville Purple Aces on Tuesday in the season opener. 65-43. First game in the West Miller era. Off to a great start. Takeaways from this game is that the defense was just on it from tip-off. Evansville shot 25.9% from the field. Evansville missed 40 shots and only made 14. I loved it. I loved it. I missed Bearcats basketball defense. I missed it so much. And I'm glad Wes Miller had just invited that because that's what the Bearcats program is about. Toughness, rebounding, defense, period. Jeremiah Davenport led the team with 11 points. Victor Locken, the seven-foot Russian, in his Bearcats debut, has seven points and seven rebounds. I believe Locken's going to be a key contributor to this team this year. David DeJulius had a stat lines of all stat lines. He had nine points, seven rebounds, seven assists. Mason Madsen, coming off the bench, had nine points and three, 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 three-pointers. Mike Saunders came off the bench and had six points. Wes Miller did said that Mike Saunders is good. He's a great player that obviously is going to be starting, but he wanted him to come off the bench. And Micah Adam Woods, Bearcats junior point guard, started this game. But Wes did said that him and Saunders had a had a lunch meeting the other day, and he told Mikey that you're going to come off the bench for this game. And Mikey said that hey, whatever I do to whatever I can do to to help the team win, it's all about helping the team win. And I love that. I love the energy that Wes Miller is bringing. To this to this team, and it's just it's feeding off the players, and I just I just got a different vibe that it's just it's and it's a good vibe, and I'm just like okay okay this is gonna be we're in good hands with West Miller. I did say during the game that the Bearcats are gonna lead the league in shot blocking because they got the rim protection on this team is great. You got Odio Guama, you got Hayden Koval, and you got Abdul Adu. So those are three guys that are gonna just block shots all around. So the Bearcats are going to lead the American Athletic Conference in block shots. You can mark that down. Just great energy all around. And obviously, first game jitters, 
you were gonna you gonna expect that from the players and obviously and also Wes Miller coaching his first game at Fifth Third Arena. But the Bearcats were able to adjust from the nervousness in the beginning of the game, and the offense was actually really good. They shot over forty percent from the field. The three point game obviously was good. It's not the strength of the Bearcats team. It wasn't the strength of the Bearcats team for the last two seasons, but it was good to see the Bearcats hitting from beyond the arc. Wes Miller did say he was really upset with the Bearcats rebounding, especially in the offensive rebounding. And he said that those are things, obviously, the team has to work on. It's, you know, I love that. I love that. Even though he said that this team should enjoy the win, there's things also that he wasn't happy about. And I, I, and I, could, I, and I could tell because watching the game, the Bearcats did let some offensive rebounds go. So <clears throat> it's a young team. I don't think it's a young team. There is veterans on this team, but th- these are players that haven't played with each other before. So there's going to be a lot of adjustments. There's going to be a lot of growing pains, but this is a good start. I was very surprised by how well the defense played. And they were in, their, they were in Evansville's faces. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, what has this boys just in their mind thinking defense, defense, defense. It was great to see. So the next game is against the Georgia Bulldogs, Saturday at 7 p.m. That game is at Fifth Third Arena. It was great to see Fifth Third Arena pack over 10,000 fans. We missed that a lot in college basketball last year, not going to home games, not seeing the environments. So it's just great to see this season having a full arena of loud fans in the student sections as well. So great to see, great to see. All right, switching topics as we conclude this podcast. Soccer, like I said in the beginning, the USA men's national team will take on Mexico in the World Cup qualifying game against their rivals, Mexico, on Friday at 9 o'clock on ESPN2. So that game will be on before the UC-USF game ends. So after, I'm sorry, the UC-USF game ends. And and USA is going for three in a row against Mexico. And that game will be played at TQL Stadium, home of the SEC Cincinnati soccer team that went four wins, eight draws, and 22 losses this year. So it'll be kind of good to see, you know, good soccer on display at TQL Stadium. You didn't see that a lot this year at all. So it's going to be a packed crowd, and it's going to be cool to see the city under the spotlight, especially in a rivalry game between two nations. So that should be cool. So... Yeah, that's it for this podcast. Um, got really not, got really nothing else to talk about. Uh, UC plays UC, UC plays USF in football. That'll be on Friday on ESPN two at six p.m. And then the Bengals don't have a game this week. They're on the bye week, thankfully, so I don't have to stress on a Sunday. So, and then UC basketball plays Georgia Saturday at seven p.m. That game's on ESPN plus and. Majority of you that do watch the podcast don't have ESPN Plus, except for one friend that I know that has ESPN Plus. Shout out to my homie Tommy. But uh, <laughs> that's it for this podcast. Um, once again, guys, I appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. It's, I I told myself that I need to be less emotional, less loudy on this podcast, but that's never going to happen because I live in Cincinnati and nine times out of ten, good things never happen to my teams. But we got to stay positive. UC basketball just started. Cincinnati Bearcats football team is still undefeated and have a shot at the college football playoffs. And then the Bengals, 
Yes, they have a two-game losing streak, but the Bengals are still in it for a playoff spot with eight games left. So I'm not depressed. I'm just anxious. I'm just an anxious Cincinnati sports fan. All right, guys. You guys have a great weekend, and I will see you guys next Thursday. Peace.